Time for this week's edition of the Source Weekly Update, out of the press and into your ear. Every week, found wherever you get audio. And now, let's take a look at some of the highlights from this week's Source Weekly. Volume 24, Issue 11, dated March 12th. First up, from our breaking news department, coronavirus in Deschutes County. First case in the local area is hospitalized at a St. Charles facility. By Nicole Vulcan. Officials from Deschutes County Public Health announced Wednesday that it has seen its first presumed case of COVID-19. The patient is being hospitalized at a St. Charles facility, officials said. At a press conference, Dr. George Conway, Health Services Director for Deschutes County, said local facilities continue to be faced with a shortage of N95 masks and asked other health partners to consider sharing supplies of masks and other personal protective devices. Like other cases, the Deschutes County case has to be confirmed by the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention in Atlanta before it can be deemed confirmed. But also like other cases around the state, officials say it should be considered a positive case. Officials from the Oregon Health Authority announced four new cases in Oregon, including new cases in Marion, Polk, Umatilla, and the Deschutes County case, making the total number of Oregon cases at 19. During a press conference Wednesday in Bend, Conway reported that the first case is an adult that is currently in an isolation room at one of the St. Charles Health System facilities in Deschutes County, but would not specify where. Currently, the county is taking measures to see who the person has been in close contact with. The underlying principle in containment of infectious diseases, Conway said, We reach out to those folks who may have had contact with the patient. If they're ill, we will try to make sure they get care and get tested for this and self-isolate for the incubation period, which is two weeks. We continuously build a circle around where the infection is and do our best to contain it. All future confirmed cases will be announced on the Deschutes County website page dedicated to COVID-19. Conway was not able to share the number of people who have been tested in Deschutes County, nor how many people are currently under monitoring. But he said it was under five. Quarantine is voluntary, confidential, and trained public health nurses follow up with people daily. Dr. Richard Fawcett is an infectious disease specialist who consults with St. Charles. He emphasized that it is still flu season. So if people are experiencing symptoms of the flu, they should stay at home. While it is helpful to see a provider, it is better to call them ahead to let them know your symptoms. St. Charles is here to take care of the community and public, said Dr. Jeff Absalon, Executive Vice President of St. Charles, who was also at the press conference. We've been preparing for six weeks. As we speak, our caregivers are taking care of this person. We're focused on protecting the workforce and preserving our personal protected equipment. We've implemented restrictions in terms of visiting, and we're doing screenings at the doors. This is what we do. We take care of people every day that have infectious illnesses. Who should get tested? Very quickly, really, in the next few days, we should have adequate capacity for testing, Dr. Conway said. I should point out, though, that testing is for people who are clinically ill. So it has to be someone that has a respiratory infection as well as elevated temperature or fever. Those are the people that should reach out to their providers. And then, if they're becoming more ill, they would be candidates for testing. I understand that a lot of people are worried. Oh, gee, I could have been exposed to this, Conway said. There's a general principle in public health that we don't want to waste tests on what we call the worried well. People that are anxious, 
people that are engaging with the system or people that are actively ill. Enough tests? Conway said until very recently, there have been a very limited number of tests, and those were required to be routed through the Oregon State Public Health Lab in Hillsboro. Last week, the FDA provided emergency license for commercial test kits. As we reported in our print edition this week, the state lab has the capacity now to test up to 4,800 people, though they've tested less than 300 thus far. More people may have been screened and determined not in need of COVID-19 testing. The testing process still has quite a few kinks and wrinkles in it that need to be worked out, but I think we're on a trajectory for that, Conway said. I should point out that nationally, there is very, very little idea about the location and the frequency of these infections. There hasn't been enough testing. It hasn't been extensive. It hasn't been a systematic sample. So we're really in the dark about the distribution of this in the country. And finally, from our news desk, disappointing finish. Republican walkouts end the 2020 Oregon legislative session early. What now? By Laurel Bronze. In the game of Oregon politics that was the short session this winter, no one wins. Not the Democrats, not the Republicans, not the people of Oregon. A week and a half ago, most House and Senate Republicans in Salem abandoned their jobs as lawmakers. This is the fifth time in 10 months Republicans have fled the Capitol, denying the Democrats the quorum they need to pass legislation. This time, Republicans protested SB 1530, a greenhouse gas reduction bill. They walked out on a form of this last year, too. Revised since last session, with more provisions for people who live in rural areas of Oregon. Representative Jack Zika, Republican Redmond, joined Republicans by leaving his post. But Representative Sherry Helt, Republican Bend, and Senator Tim Canope, Republican Central Oregon, were the only two Republican state legislators to stay. The Oregon short session occurs on even years and is only five weeks long. House Speaker Tina Kotek, Democrat Portland, ended it abruptly Thursday afternoon. Earlier in the week, she subpoenaed absent Republicans to the Capitol, but the missing members did not show up Thursday morning. Instead, Kotek received a letter from House Republican leader Christine Drazen, stating Republicans would come back for 12 hours on the last day of the session to pass some funding allocation bills. Kotek didn't buy it. Neither did Governor Kate Brown, who issued a statement Thursday afternoon. That's not compromise, Brown said. It's holding Oregonians hostage to ultimatums and political posturing. I will not back down. In the coming days, I will be taking executive action to lower our greenhouse gas emissions. I am open to calling a special session if we can ensure it will benefit Oregonians. However, until legislative leaders bring me a plan for a functioning session, I'm not going to waste taxpayer dollars on calling them back to the state capitol. Many Oregonians are wondering what recourse does the governor have? Brown's deputy communications director, Kate Condian, told the source, Our office is having conversations with the Department of Justice to ensure the governor acts as aggressively as she can within Oregon statutes, and the executive order will reflect that. A caucus of one. Representative Helt published a number of posts on her Facebook page expressing her disappointment over the partisan divide. Important priorities for Bend, like housing, homeless funding, education, and public safety, were casualties of partisan polarization, which has not only gripped our nation, but now Oregon, she wrote Friday. Helt told the source Friday evening as she drove home from Salem that she was working on some amendments to the corporate activity tax in hopes of having another legislative session in the coming months. CAT, part of the Student Success Act, 
passed last year to fund education and taxes businesses' total sales over $1 million. It's not over. We have to keep working and be ready. Anything could happen, she said. I'm not a part of the Republican caucus right now. I'm a caucus of one. Canope told the source he stayed in Salem to work on CAT, to oppose SB 1530 in person, and continue to push for legislation that would freeze property taxes for low-income seniors. He said he also wanted to support other bills affecting Central Oregon, including a $13 million bond for an OSU Cascade Student Success Center, two additional judges for Deschutes County, and funds, roughly $250,000, for the Deschutes Water Basin. Zika told the source that he believes that the cap-and-trade bill should be sent to voters. I hear the argument from the majority party that big oil is going to put in a lot of money in oppositional campaigns, he said. But I don't see why they would have any incentive to do that, because there are no refineries here. You can't frack. There's no drilling off the coast. Cap-and-trade is a regressive tax onto low-income families, because these companies are going to close, lay off people, he said. Utility prices will go up. Zika told the source Monday that he believed Democrats were at fault, because Republicans agreed to come back for 12 hours on the last day to vote on a list of funding priorities the Democrats chose. Zika said he received over a 1,000 emails, of which 800 encouraged him to walk out. Bills left on the table Numerous bills and programs that affect Central Oregon were left unfinished as a result of the walkouts, including $4 million for a navigation center for unhoused people in the region, tens of millions for wildfire management and preparation, millions for behavioral health services, which would benefit Deschutes County mental behavioral health, funds to help unaccompanied youth without homes. Christopher Nichols, Associate Professor of History at Oregon State University, said the increasing frequency of the Republican walkouts in Oregon are a symbol of the nationalization of state politics. This represents a nostalgic vision of Oregon which is not forward-looking, but instead represents the interests of rural communities, timber, trucking, basically a white version and vision of the state, which sustains itself on raw material extraction, Nichols said. What is fascinating is the contrast. Solar and renewable energy, the tech industry, and other things that inspire people to come to Oregon. Canope was the only one on the Senate floor in Salem on Friday. The rest of his caucus returned Sunday as promised, but didn't pass anything. He attended a meeting of the Oregon Emergency Board on Monday to lobby for funds for unhoused accompanied youth. So, what's next? Working together in a bipartisan way, as I have done over the last several sessions, to find consensus to bring Oregon together, said Canope. Thanks for listening to this week's edition of the Source Weekly Podcast. Be sure to pick up your free copy of the Source Weekly wherever you find yourself in Central Oregon, or log on to our website, bensource.com. Thanks for listening. I'm Sam Scholl.